This is The Premise, and I'm your host, Jennifer. Chad Thompson. De- no, Chad I, Thompson's the no, host. I'm the host. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Thompson. And I'm Chad Thompson, the host. <laughs> No, when we started podcasting, the noise, the mm-hmm. the smack. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, Oof. oh, I hate it so much. But apparently, it's like a thing, ASMR. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I hadn't heard of that before we started podcasting, but and that some people like it. They really like it. So the oh, brushing it's, of it's hair. It's huge on YouTube, right? We don't like it. I do not like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drinking, any bodily Eating. noises in general. I'm just not. I'm not good with farts. Okay, so here's a question for you. <laughs> this is this is a question. So farts are funny. Yeah. But belching well, belching's funny too, but you know, body odor is not funny. There's nothing funny about body odor. Why? Well, is a fart funny when it gets into your nose? Or is the sound funny? So it's the sound. Because like so. farts are acceptable. Right. Like farts are like a part of society. I don't know if they're acceptable. No, they are. People <laughs> love to talk about farts and how funny they are. But you don't feel good about like farting in a yoga class. That's true. I guess it depends on the company. Hmm. I've been, you know, I have two small kids. They're twins and uh, they're two now. And I've just been like waiting until they realize how funny farting is. <laughs> so you can have fun I with feel that. like it's like any day now they're going to be like, oh my God. Gosh, it's a fart. Is that learned, do you think? Or I don't know. Or does that come natural? I mean, I think it's kind of natural. I think it is. It's so funny. I would think so, because you've got the you've got the sound, then you have the smell, and then you have the reaction to the smell. Right. So maybe it's There's so much going on. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's from so many different perspectives, right? The senses are So you learn that 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 sound causes someone to react in that way. That's so then true. you're like, ha ha, that's hilarious. <laughs> I that felt, could be true. I felt like it was like a huge um, brain development when my daughter was like, someone farted and she's like, there's, there's poop in my nose. <laughs> there's poop in my nose, mom. It's technically true. Yeah. And that she recognized it yeah. and that like. Yeah, that was a pretty neat moment for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about who you are. So welcome to The Premise. Today we are here with Mara Altman. She is the author of Thanks for Coming, also the author author of Gross Anatomy and several Kindle singles, which we will talk about. But Mara is also a mother, a journalist, a wife, an author, and a damn funny woman. Oh, thanks. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. So yeah, my first question was going to be about farts. So we just like, we didn't even have to. It was? It totally <laughs> was. And I have proof in my hand. That's crazy. It is crazy. We were on the same wavelength. Well, I want to talk about your first book. Oh. The experience. So you wrote a book about In Search of Your Orgasm. Mm-hmm. And like, that's brave to talk about that topic. So I just want to like hear how that was for you, putting yourself out there. And I know in your bio, I mean, one of the things you say is, I write about issues that embarrass me, i.e. chin hair, because I have found that putting shame on the page diffuses the stigma, leaving me with a sense of empowerment and freedom. Mm -hmm. Did you come to that, and that's part of your official bio, did you come to that statement 
before you started seeking out these uncomfortable topics to talk about? Or did that, like, how did that happen for you? Well, I think I wrote that statement, yeah, af- like after Thanks for Coming. Thank- thanks for Coming, like, when people tell me it's brave, you know, it's kind of like, you go, oh, was it? You know, oops, <laughs> I didn't mean to be brave. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> you for know? you it wasn't. You were just like, that was just. Well, I mean, it was really actually something I wanted to figure out mm-hmm. um, at the time. And um, I guess when I hear that kind of feedback or like I, it, I'm at a very different place in my life now than I was. So how long ago um, did you write things? That for was like 10 years ago. Okay. Okay. Before yeah. kids. Yeah. That was before, before marriage. Kids, before marriage. Got it. Yeah. Um, and you're a journalist. And so I read Gross Anatomy, which I love. Fantastic book. And I think the reason I like it so much is you ask the questions that we're all asking. But no one's going out and researching it and getting the science and getting real answers. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, scientific answers, which you did with Thanks for Coming. So did it start out as like, I'm really curious about the female body and how it works? I mean, how did that, what yeah, was the I impetus mean, for that? I mean, with, with Gross Anatomy, it started with Bearded Lady, which started as its own piece. Right. And uh, I kind of had this realization that... Yeah, I knew that I was extra hairy, um, but I, but I was also like, I had this moment where I was like, why is this thing that's totally natural and normal for a female to be and have something that makes me so ashamed and so uncomfortable? Right. Um, yeah. And so I think that's where I, like I felt the disconnect, and I felt like the desire to investigate more because we have all these different parts of our bodies. They're totally normal, and yet we try and hide. We pretend like they're not there. We pretend, yeah, and like I'm like, <laughs> where did this come from, and why right. do we have to have all this shame? Like we're born with it. It's like we're put in such an uncomfortable place to have yeah. to have to hide all that that stuff. So I was like hiding it from the guy I was dating, who became my husband, and I spent most of the, my my time thinking about those things rather than being present and enjoying my time with with him in that hair ex- uh, example, especially. <laughs> Um, so once I did that and I went through all the reporting, I found out why we feel the way we do and blah, 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 lots of cool, fun, weird things. And I finally ended up telling him about my hair. He was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, we're mammals hair. <laughs> and the biggest part was just realizing that nothing big came of it and that, right. um, and that letting it all out and just telling him my fears and and uh looking my chin hair in the face or whatever <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> uh just let it all it all went away like all that anxiety kind of melted away and instead of spending all my time being anxious about it and trying to get rid of it um i still like don't love having chin hair but <laughs> that didn't change <laughs> yeah it didn't change but my feelings around it changed like the anxiety around it changed so I feel like when I go get rid of it, I'm getting rid of it because I don't want it to be part of my right. look right. versus like getting rid of it and in, in hiding, you know, and being like, I'm going to just, it, it's like this deep, dark secret. It, right. It has a lot of different energy around it. Totally. Yeah. I feel like this book kind of gives women permission to just be who they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally from hemorrhoids to underarm sweat. And, and by the way, the whole reason I discovered you is sort of this awesome tumbling. <laughs> I feel like I was sort of tumbling into you and I love it. I saw the cover for Gross Anatomy when it first came out and I thought, 
that looks like a great book because I love the cover. And just to kind of show or tell our, our reader, our, our reader, soon to be reader, our listener, <laughs> there's a picture of a woman on a beach towel and she's got hairy legs. And it's a, it's a cartoon adaptation. And it's just such a great image. It feels fun and vibrant. And I was like, ooh, I want to know about that book. Mm. And, you know, books pass by us every day. And it was kind of in the back of my mind. And then you were doing a local event here in San Diego and it came across. I was like, oh, I got to go that to, to that event. And then I had a conflict and it didn't happen. And then Chad and I were working with an author who's going to be on, on the premise, Dr. Nan Wise, who's a neuroscientist and a sex therapist. And it turns out she was part of your first book. Thanks for coming. Mm-hmm. So she sent me your website as an example of a good website. So... Good for you, by the way. thank you. And we were looking at it, and I ran across your videos. And I watched them over and over again. So there's this one book trailer. And I just got to say, like, I love book trailers. And I wish that more people saw your book trailers. I think there was, like, maybe 1,400 views on one of them. Yeah. It turns out there's not, like, a lot of great places to place your book trailers. Right. Right. Like, they're on YouTube, but then there's a million other videos on YouTube. But the one, the camel toe video, is so awesome. I watched it over and over again, and I sent it to all my friends. Thank you. And I was just like, oh, my God, I love this video. It's so good. So we'll put a link to it on on the website. But then after that, Chad's like, you know, she lives in San Diego. So again, I was just sort of stumbling into you. Not that I'm stalking you. you. Okay. No, it but was I, all part of research. <laughs> it was work. It was. Not trying to find that glorious camel toe. <laughs> <laughs> we got to find it. it. Happens to be right here in San Diego. And then as it turns out, you happen to be good friends with a friend of mine who I was in a writing class with. So it was like, it's, it's pretty crazy. Mid. The videos are awesome. Thank you so much. Do you want to talk about the, just the kind of process of putting together a book trailer? It's kind of kind of a fun. Mm. Sorry, I had to drink something. Absolutely. Um, and would you say ultimately it was worth the effort? Because it okay. seems like you have what, like four or five different trailers. Yeah, I did. I did four, four of them for this. Yeah. Right. So one um, was camel toe. One was camel toe. One was vag odor. <laughs> one was uh, sweat and pimples. And then I had previously done like a thing on hemorrhoids, which is there as well. Okay. Cool. Um. I, I mean, I was looking forward to doing it from the like moment I got the book deal. <laughs> and you even acted, and like I had no idea that like this fabulous actor, actress, actor is actually the author. So that was cool too. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I had great coaching from my very best friend Chandra, who is like acting alongside me. The fabulous blonde. Yeah, she's like she's great. You know, been a star on Broadway for many, many years. So she like coached me through every scene. Um, could not have done it without her and her husband who like helped write and get, get the whole team together. It was Mm -hmm. like really, you know, one of those works of passion where you get like everyone, you know, to do it for like as low cost as possible on a weekend, you know, from 7am to 7pm. And, um, I mean, it was just, it was a blast. I don't regret it for a second. It definitely, uh, didn't like. I, I was surprised at how hard it was to place them because they right. came out so good. Yeah. But like, where do you put them? And it turned out like my publicist had no idea where to put them. Right. And uh, everyone was kind of at a loss. They're like, well, this is cool, but. What do we do with it? Yeah. We put it on the website. They're like, have you thought about putting it on Facebook? I'm like, are you serious? That's what like my outlet <laughs> is. <laughs> like, that's it? <laughs> Did um, you put it on Author Central and Amazon? 
I, they only let me put one because of the content. Um, oh. And that was like another one of the issues of like the whole book in general is like yeah. it deals with such kind of uh, taboo topics that it can be a little bit hard to market it. So so just to be clear, camel toe is taboo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As it I turns mean, out. crazy, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and it's just so not okay. I mean, that's kind of goes down to like that's the whole premise probably for you for even writing the book is why is this taboo? Yeah. Why can't we talk about our chin hair? I mean, these are not topics that are so crazy. I mean, vag smell might be the most taboo because there's the word vagina in it, but other than that, I mean, this is this is what we deal with. Men and women alike deal with body odor and hair that grows in weird places mm -hmm. maybe you do well, <laughs> uh, you're just naturally uh, smooth I'm, in the face. A, I'm a norwegian hairless <laughs> Chad, Chad, chad's a norwegian hairless that's right well actually in your book one of my favorite uh sections is on page i have it here somewhere we're talking so on page 35, we were talking about advertising. Mm. So if we go back to the early 1900s, when they were trying to sell certain products, and, and there was this idea that cleanliness had something to do with how you were on the inside. And that was really fascinating to me. So it's like an advertising movement determined and dictated how women felt about themselves. Mm -hmm. Like you were, you were a better person if you were cleaner. Mm-hmm. That, how was that for you? Like when you were going down that road and searching the advertising and just, was it kind of like, oh my gosh, was it an aha moment like it was for me reading it? I mean, yeah, like I think a lot of it is advertising. It's other things as well, obviously that makes us feel the way we do about our bodies, but it just, it gives you this feeling like it's so nutty that I feel shitty about myself because it's all based on this thing that happened, you know, a hundred years ago when they did this ad and you realize there's no, I think it's really liberating because you realize there's no really good reason to feel the way you do about like, say your hair or the scent of your vagina or, right. you know, the sweat stain in your armpit. When yeah. You're, yeah. You can't control it. And yet somehow there's this message in society that you need to control it or you're, you're a lesser person. Yeah. And well, here's the, it says, you know, advertisers tried to relate outward cleanliness with inner character. Advertisers invoked moral values like modesty and cleanliness that had been central to Victorian America and linked them to the modern value of exterior, be exterior beauty. And you were quoting someone in this piece right here. Mm -hmm. And I just like, for me, I was like, oh my gosh, I okay, I get it. Like we, we kind of have to take back our power as women and say no. Like, I'm okay with this, and I feel okay with who I am, regardless of all of my hair and whatever else is happening with my body. Do you think it's possible that we can get to that point where we can take that back and we can change that history? Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's a tall order, I know. I mean, I think it, it is shifting in some ways. Uh, I see a lot of change, but I, I also... When I write stuff like this, I, I don't I also don't want people to feel like they have to grow out their hair to feel liberated, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's everyone just has to find the their place of feeling good about themselves. Um, it's like when people whatever throw shade on people who've gotten breast implants or anything like that. It's very sad in a way that we can't feel good about the bodies that we have, but we live in a society that puts 
a large amount of pressure on on beauty standards and the way that they expect women to feel. So like, how can you heap shame upon them for trying to change and look the way we ask them to look? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Yeah, it goes both ways. Like if my choice is to spend thousands of dollars on eradicating my chin hair, right? That's my choice. And I shouldn't mm. be shamed for that. But you're right. Like there's a certain a stigma that goes along with Botox and hair removal and breast implants, you know, like maybe it's hushed, but we're expected to look like this. But then when we take the steps to get there, people are like, did you know she got a da 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 da? Oh my God, <laughs> such and such has a boob job, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but I think, yeah, I, 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 I don't know, you know, what the future holds. Um, I hope that this just like that this book just helps people go, oh yeah, I'm normal. This is okay. I don't have to have anxiety about this. I don't have to like keep this deep down inside of me. Like I'm not perfect the way I am or, you yeah. know, that's a lot of the messages I get from readers is like, I I was wondering the same thing and oh my gosh, I have that too. And I didn't think I was normal. <laughs> you know, even if that's the step we're at, that's that's great, you know? Well, and I wonder, like, as young women, do we think I'm the only one? I'm oh, the yeah. only one in this room who has this chin hair and I have to hide it from the world. I know that I felt that way. I mean, I damaged my face trying to get rid of it. And I mm -hmm. felt so ridiculous for that. But then I looked back in history and I'm sure you read the part about the Hiroshima maidens that Rebecca Herzig, the professor, had written a paper on where women felt so ashamed of their facial hair that they were going to like these back alley x-ray clinics because yeah. x-ray uh, gets rid of your hair, but it also causes like lesions, cancer, death. So they were, they were knowingly going to places that could really damage them. But they were okay with that. And they were like, that's cool. It's okay. I need to get rid of this hair. And I definitely was had been in that place. <laughs> well, I remember in the book, so you were sitting with a friend at lunch and you had discovered this horrific thing. Like yeah. you're just horrified and your friend is like, oh, who would do that? And you're you're like, well, well, actually I probably would have done it. Yeah, I mean, I was in, I lived in Bangkok for a year where like women are very, you don't see a lot of hair out of place there. Um, and I was just felt such like a hairy beast. So right. I was like going to this hospital there where they had like, you know, the beginnings of laser mm -hmm. and, and this guy just like fried my face. And you have a little scar from yeah, it. Yeah, I have a scar on my upper lip, like right here. But I was like, I think I even went back after that. I'm like, you did? Yeah. You went back again. You're like, well, Good that's Lord. okay. Yeah, I know. I was like, it's okay. And you could like even kind of like taste your enamel on your teeth, like oh, when it geez. went over the top. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I, like yeah. what is wrong with me? Well, you know what else is fascinating to me is that your mom was just so free and comfortable with her body. She didn't shave her underarm hair or her leg hair. And mm -hmm. she was just, she was just her. And like you said, you know, you don't have to grow out your hair to be a woman. That was what made her feel comfortable. And I wonder if for you, like growing up in that environment where you think this is just how we are and it's okay, and then all of a sudden you're in school and someone makes fun of you mm -hmm. for having hair, then like your world is rocked. Like from this is totally normal to, oh my God, I'm a monster. Yeah, I think like that was a definitely a hard transition to realizing that I wasn't conforming to the way that the world was. Mm -hmm. And then trying to hold that hard line that my parents taught me of like, if you're accepting yourself, then you're completely natural. And realizing, like needing eventually to realize that like accepting yourself is actually finding the way that you feel most comfortable in the world, not necessarily like following any one person's view of that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's very personal. Yeah. 
you know, speaking of, we were earlier, I said the words boob and job together, and I'd like to actually talk about that. <laughs> so I, I used to work in a climbing gym, and there was this one woman who was a pretty tremendous climber and pretty, pretty famous. And she had implants. And I remember the owner of the gym said to me, oh, wait till you see her. You know, she got she got a boob job and it has really improved her personality. <laughs> and I was horrified to the point of like I stood up and, you know, I was having words with him. And he said, no, 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 no. Well, hear me out. She's so much more confident mm. in herself that she's literally more outgoing. She's happier. I think it's like truly improved her outlook on life as a person. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh. And it was true. She just felt so good about herself. Mm -hmm. And she'd always had the shame that she felt so out of place, like her body wasn't right. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong. And she took steps to fix that. In her mind, she was so much happier. And I've, it really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. You know, that was her choice. And she was she felt really confident in that choice and really happy with that. And it was, I think it was that moment in my life where I'm like, we all make choices for various reasons. And that's good. We have to support one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just like a bummer that we have these standards of what is a good body that makes you feel confident and that she had to, you know, couldn't feel that way and mm -hmm. having her more flat chest. Like I'm the thing I'm currently working on right now is a is a piece about height for Audible, Audible Originals. Okay. Um, and I just talked to a man who stretched his legs um, like got his femurs Jesus. broken. Oh my gosh. To be taller. To be taller, yeah. Is that oh. something that's allowed stateside or is that? Yeah, it's uh, it's allowed. That's, huh. he, he got it done in LA. and uh, Of course. He, <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I don't mean to shame LA. <laughs> and he got, like, they, they basically stretched the leg out um, a millimeter a day for like three months. <gasps> and he grew three inches. And he's like, he's still in pain. It's a year and a half later. Hasn't regained like total mobility yet, but he is stoked. Like he's so happy. He feels like people treat him differently. He feels <laughs> like, um, yeah, the world is different. And and is the world really different, or is he different in how he interacts with the world? You know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, it sounds like a crazy surgery, but it's the same thing. You know? Mm -hmm. Did he, he go from like six feet to six three, or did he go yeah. from like five three to? <laughs> yeah, shorter. He went from five 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 to five eight. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, on the one hand, like that totally breaks my heart that that's our society and that we've put him through that. And then on the other hand, like I get it. Yeah. You know, for a man to be five, five and everyone looks down at you for him to feel like but it, he fits in. But also is that him thinking like through the lens of him thinking that he's too short mm -hmm. and thinking that people are looking down on him versus his once he's 5'8", he feels like a different person. And because of that renewed confidence and people seeing confidence, not height, mm -hmm. they're reacting I, to him differently. I think that's probably true. I yeah. think it's the latter. I mean... Yeah, who knows? Who knows? There's no... I haven't say. found a study on this, but... Uh, so this is a Kindle single, and it's the one story about him? No, this is an Audible. Audible. Oh, it's an Audible. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. It's my first Audible um, piece. And so they're, I guess they're experimenting a lot with um, audio. So they're like, this will only uh, exist in audio, not cool. in writing. Yeah. So and, are you reading it? Or? Yeah, I'm going to be oh, wow. reading it. Nice. And, um, yeah, we'll see if it's nice. I'll let you know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, 
and it's all it's so it's all about height it's like he's one of the people i talk to now does it go the other way where people are so tall that they want a height reduction I'm like, should I be talking about all my research right now? I don't know. No, probably not, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll is, definitely look that yeah, up. Yeah, there's really interesting things. Tell me, when does it come out? I don't know. Okay. And <laughs> does it have a title yet? Uh, we're working on that. Okay. We have a couple ideas. All these details. So do, it's either going to be, it's either gonna, you guys can tell me what you like. Um, the short of it or hmm. a short drink of water. The short of it. <laughs> Um, you like to short drink of water. I, I, I go. I go with the second one. Really? Okay. As opposed Ma- to a tall drink of water. Because I've been called don't. a tall drink of water in the past. Oh, so that has some meaning to you. Well, I don't consider myself well, you're tall. You're a tall drink of water. Yeah, it's I a play on it, like yeah. that. But people might not get it. Well, I really liked the short of it because it just is intriguing. But I think Chad's probably right. The play on words is probably better. I don't know. Hmm. The short. I like it. Can anybody call in, please? Yeah, so we need some. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to need to get oh, our the phones are phone. lighting up. <laughs> well, that'll be in our next iteration. Well, whenever this is available, send it to us. We'll put it on the website and oh, we'll share it with you. our listeners. Because I'm excited to hear it. I know it's going to be great. Your writing is funny. It's well-researched. It's well-written. It's Thank fantastic. You so much. Yeah, yeah. So you're working on a bunch of stuff right now, aren't you? You also write Kindle singles. Are you still an active journalist? I know you've written for the New York Times. and Yeah, I do. Like, I pitch essays mostly when I'm procrastinating on my bigger pieces. <laughs> and I'm, you know, it's like I have way I, too much to do. And I'm like, ooh. Here's an idea. Yeah. Um, but mostly I'm working on bigger, bigger pieces. I'm uh, working on a book proposal. Another one, Ooh, and then uh, there's another book in the future. Maybe. maybe I'm like I think it's taken me a while because I'm not totally sure I want to dive in. It's a big, yeah, it's a big effort, guys. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. How long did it take you to write Gross Anatomy? It took like a a year and a half or two years. Yeah. Okay. With a pregnancy in the middle. Right. Mm-hmm. And getting married. That was earlier. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're writing about the time before it, because I know in the beginning of the book you're not married. Right, that, that's the essay of uh, Bearded Lady. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah, and then and then there are, like, we're trying to get it. You know, there's some people that are trying to make it into a show, but that's always, like, a hard road. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll see where that goes. But it's been a fun little journey. That's really, can you talk about that? Or is that open? Is that is that cool? Can we talk about I that? I think so. I mean, I think a lot of, you know, our listeners are writers and have aspirations. Who, who doesn't want to have their book turned into a movie or a TV series? Yeah. So like that, pro- can you talk to that, speak to the process and. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is like um, disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> talk about the disappointments. That'd be great. That's what re- being a writer is all about disappointments. Yeah. It's like a lot of hope and excitement uh-huh. and then like disappointment. But it's fun. Like I'm happy to have both of those, and it's great. I don't. I'm not going to complain. It's it's fun. It's a fun ride. You know. Totally. That's what you got to look at it yeah. as. Like thanks for coming was optioned by HBO, and uh, and then I like got to meet with the the writer who was Mark Stephen Johnson who wrote Grumpy Old Men. Mm-hmm. And was like just how weird you know to totally it was, like, that's cool just wild and then. Uh, and then that didn't go anywhere. And then it got like brought on to like, I think two more places where it didn't go anywhere. Like it just, you know, it gets exciting and then it doesn't. 
And then now, um, and then now, uh, Gross Anatomy is at is with Eddie Schmidt and Chelsea Handler, right? And they're trying to make make it, and that's just been really fun. You know, they're like really cool people who really see the project in a way that I I really love. You know, nice, yeah.、Um, and it's just going out and pitching and pitching and pitching, and seeing what happens. You know, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I think you just have to temper your expectations.、It's、yeah, like, totally. We're gonna take this ride wherever it, it brings it's us. It's viewing it, I think, as just an extra, you know, and being、yeah. like, "Whoa, I published a book. That's great." And oh, this thing is happening.、Mm-hmm. That's really fun,、mm-hmm. you know. And just, I, I try and have just a really good attitude about it. But you know, of course, you get disappointed a bit. Sure. Yeah. And Chelsea Handler, like, how fun did she、yeah. reach out? I know she blurbed the book.、Mm-hmm. That was after she was already like on, and she did a video. I、yeah. think she had the the book in her hand, talking about how fantastic this book yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, she's been so so supportive. Very cool. Um, it was Eddie. Eddie found the book first, and he he's done projects like um Ugly Delicious, with okay,、uh, yeah, he's done like a lot of documentary work, a lot of really cool documentary work. Um, and he's worked closely with Chelsea Handler, so he gave her the book, and she was really into it. So、oh, they decided、okay. to to co. Produce it. Cool. Yeah. Well, I hope. I don't know. I kind of have. I'm. A, I, I think I'm just going to put myself in the seat next to you on this roller coaster ride. But、Thanks. I have high <laughs> hopes for it because I think it'd be such a great series. Are they thinking movie or series? Um, non-scripted series. Okay.、Hmm. Whoa. What does that even? So look it'd be like? like it'd be like very journalistic, you know? Okay. Looking at the parts of our bodies and. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome,、mm-hmm. which is really perfect. I would really like it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who? I'm not invested or anything, but <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is only years of my life on the page. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So who would play you in a movie based on the book? Man, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Alana Glazer. Oh, <laughs> she's so fabulous. Yeah, she I、is. love her. <laughs> okay. No pressure, Lana. Just saying. <laughs> just an idea. So I hear that you're kind of a bossy baker. I want to know more about this.、Mm. <laughs> I mean, just in that, like, yeah, I don't get out of my way. I'm baking. Kinda, yeah. I mean, don't it, touch me. <laughs> it used to be a lot more of like a a therapeutic. Like I'm on my own. I'm doing my thing. I'm baking. It's different from.、Uh, You know, writing. I also really love that. Like, there's a recipe. My husband would say I don't follow recipes very well. Well, I was going to ask you that. Like, baking has to be pretty precise. Yeah, it doesn't. Okay, it's fine to not be precise. <laughs> Good to know. It just depends on how you, you don't want mind it to... flat cakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you're not picky about how it turns out, you do not have to be picky about the recipe. This is true. <laughs> I mean, it's sugar, egg. How is it going to taste bad? Right. You know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've made some pretty bad cakes. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, but I—I I mean, I—I—I I, I also. It's comforting, I think, to come to something that has a recipe、mm. after I feel like、uh, writing doesn't really have a recipe for me. Like sure, I think、yeah. some people have a structure that they follow and they feel like it's very comforting. I feel like whenever I hit the page, I'm like, I have no clue what's going to happen next. It's like this. I don't know what I'm going to say next. Right. <laughs> what What are we going to do next? Yeah, yeah. Nothing is like planned out. So、um, when I go from like a day of writing to a To a baking. In fact, when I'm like, I'm gonna leave writing. Screw this. This sucks. I'm like, I'm gonna be a baker. I'm gonna make the same muffin over and over again. Everyone's gonna be happy whenever they eat it. You know, right? There's, yeah. So you you seem to overestimate the buying public. I think. 
about Th- a there's bush always muffins. someone who's going to bitch about the muffins. Oh yeah, that you know, of course. But they they would know that they'd come back to the same muffins, so they would just leave. They they would never try again. You know, with my muffins. That's true. It'd the be the consistency like, of the muffin. Yeah. You know exactly what you're going to do and what you're going to get. Yeah. So, do you would you say that you live your life very? I, I guess unconventionally loosey goosey. Like, do you sit down and have rules? Like, today I'm going to do this, this, and this, or is it like you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants? Whatever feels good today. Like, or do you do both? No, like what in the writing life? Yeah, just in general. Like, I mean, you're tackling a lot. You're raising twins, and you're writing, and you're doing so many things at once like how do you keep that all organized yeah it's is it structured or it's structured in that whenever i have care i try and write Mm -hmm. it's do you think and i always say try to write i never say write (laughs) yeah try to write yeah my whole life it's been try to write i'm gonna try and write i have a question do you think that having limited space actually helps because you know you're not going to have time later with the twins and there's so many things that you have to get done in a day that when you have that hour do you think that propels you to be more productive than you would be otherwise i i want to believe that and i've like (laughs) i've kind of like you know i've been trying that on i've told people that right right (laughs) i'm gonna wear this hat for a while see what takes me (laughs) but i actually like am not feeling that way in, Mm. in all honesty at the moment and maybe it's like that they're still young and like uh, it's chaotic a bit, but I I have not been like my levels of productive since I've had them. And and I think it's because I was like insane before a little bit. Sure. I was like so workaholic that like I would get up at, you know, seven, I would sit in my chair and I would sit in my chair until like five. Wow. 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Yeah. And I would just like a lot of it would be messing around and like looking on the Internet and getting distracted. But with that. That doesn't sound familiar at all. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Have you been watching me? (laughs) (laughs) But with that amount of time sitting, you get stuff done. You do. Yeah. But Um, is it the most productive use of time? But now I do the I do the same thing, but I don't have as much time. It gets interrupted more often. And I don't have as much. uh, I don't have as much anxiety and angst about my career as I used to, which was actually very motivating because mm. I'm like happier in Aww. life. Yeah. So yeah. I'm okay. Like uh, being like, I'm going to go hang out with the twins a little bit more and I'm going to, you know, it's yeah. just a little bit, I've chilled out a little bit. So I'm not as hard on myself. Right. And it's a little bit, uh, I, I'm just hoping that the productivity kind of steps up a, a notch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I can totally relate Plus, to that. Oh, sorry. Just no. all the sickness that's happening. It's oh. like you just can't have high expectations. When everyone's sick. Uh, yeah, like no. everything. Did, it, did just, it hit you this year? Did you? Oh, get it? my God. They they went to preschool for the first time this year. And, and they came it's home been sick. nonstop, like every other week. We're all out. And then when oh. we're, yeah, it's just. <laughs> They're little, little germ incubators. They are. It's really. I mean, she got, they both got hand, foot, mouth. Right. I think I told you that when yeah. we first met. And then. She got it, my daughter got it really bad. And so like all her, her finger pads and her toe pads just peeled off, like just came off. And that's now, horrifying. And now Jesus. a month later, her nails are all coming off. <gasps> oh, what is that? It's yeah. from the same thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, what, like, what is what this? What do we do with this? Yeah. yeah. I'm just not telling her what's happened. Like she hasn't asked about it. So I'm just like, well, 
This is just what happens. How would she know? She's like, oh, so when you're in your second year of life, all your toenails fall off. (laughs) (laughs) And pretty soon you'll lose your teeth. It's totally normal. I can't wait to read her book. Looking back on her childhood about how, oh, well, mom just said this was natural. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They'll grow back even better, baby. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, I, yeah, I forgot about that. Like when you have little ones, there's going to be more sickness. Oh yeah. You know, we insulate ourselves here at Monkey Sea Media. We never leave our desks. So smart. And we don't ever get sick. It's really smart. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to get hit by some flu virus, you know, and it's going to wipe both of us oh, out. Oh, because you wouldn't have like no built up know. your immune system. Exactly. That's a really good point. I can bring them over. We're bring just them like over. Frail, <laughs> Are you guys frail ready? beings wandering around this house. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, balancing. Well, I was going to say like for me, if I'm not working, like I have a certain standard for myself to get a certain amount done and sitting in my chair is kind of good enough. You know, like you said, like, I feel like if I'm, I'm in my chair, I'm working on it. Even if I'm not directly, I'm getting ready to. And if I step away from, which is stupid, right? If I step away from it, I feel so guilty. Like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm letting myself down. But obviously children are going to take precedent over anything. So it's like, it sort of takes away the guilt of not always being in that chair. Yeah. And it's also, I, I think I felt the same way as you do, but then also you have to go, okay, like, Standing up and stretching can be good for you and kind right? of clear your head and, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I don't Yeah. It's, it's, it, I'm still trying to find my, my balance. My balance. My new balance. Yeah. yeah. And I am, I think with this project about height, like I, I actually am getting a stride, mm. which is cool. It feels really good. I forgot how it felt to like wake up in the morning and be like, oh yeah, I get it right. Woo. That's awesome. You know? That's awesome. Play with words. It's and good. it's, it's cause you're really excited about the project. I would imagine. I am. I'm excited about it. I can't wait to read yeah, it. Yeah, thanks. Wow. I'm excited that you're doing a writer festival and that this is your second year and you're putting so much of your time into making this happen. It's really cool. We are so excited. So today I went over and toured the entire facility. So we've got the Coronado Public Library and then we've got the Coronado Arts High School, which has a 560 seat theater. Wow and a black box theater, and then all the classrooms, this massive courtyard, we're gonna have food trucks. I mean, I got so excited. And then there's the Spreckles Center. It's a senior center, and it's right next to the library. And the space is just stunning. So there's just so many amazing things that are gonna happen. Do you think this is gonna be like the home for it for good? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, honestly, after taking that tour, I was just beside myself excited. It has everything that I had hoped for. You know, the children's programming, the space is perfect. And the teen programming space is perfect. We wanted food trucks. We've got that. Mm. There's a green room. There's a kitchen. We can do chef events. So there's so much room for growth. I mean, it was really kind of shocking last year at the San Diego Downtown Public Library. We didn't expect to outgrow that space in one year. Mm -hmm. So who knows what will happen in Coronado. But so far, the the city, the library, they've been really incredible and super helpful. So can we talk about your involvement? Sure. So we talked about doing a female empowerment panel, Mm -hmm. which I'm really excited about with Kat Alexander. And I don't even know if you've agreed to do this. Have you? Sure. I mean, no pressure here on the pod. (laughs) No. Yes. This is what we do with people. We make them say yes on the podcast. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it, too. Chad, are you going to be on it? Yeah. 
Yeah. What, the female what? empowerment panel? Sure. <laughs> that sounds a little odd. <laughs> It'll be awkward. What are, are you in the like literary are what uh what's... no, I'm I'm just uh technical backline stuff. Your tech guy? Photos, videos, audio gear, all cool. that stuff. He's our audiophile. Yeah, so He's the one who makes everything happen. I made, made the sandwiches last year. You did help make the sandwiches yeah. and the vegetarian sandwiches <laughs> were the best. And I think we roasted vegetables and wow. you had a part in that. You yeah. guys brought sandwiches to the festival? <laughs> we did. We had over a hundred volunteers. Oh, and you fed them? And we, we needed had to, to feed them. them. Yeah. And you guys, this is such a work of passion. <laughs> it really is. It's you were in your stupid. kitchen making sandwiches. Till midnight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we made like 200 sandwiches. I think we had... I don't even remember what they were. I remember the vegetarian ones were like crazy good. Wow. And Chad made, he's a really good cook. I'm not even a vegetarian. And I think that was my favorite sandwich. Yeah. And he made this like sauce, this like, I don't know what it was. It was amazing. Yeah. And people kept asking for more vegetarian sandwiches. Are you going to make more sandwiches this year? <laughs> I don't know. Say, say yes, Chad. Okay, You're on the podcast. Yes. Now I'm committed. Damn it. <laughs> Backfired on me. It was cool. So all the volunteers would, you know, take a little break and have a sandwich. And everyone brought like, there were oranges and apples, like mm. big boxes of fruit and big things of chocolate. And who brought mm. the mini cupcakes? Oh, okay. So our volunteer coordinator, I'm just going to give a, a shout out to Janelle. She made these cupcakes that were rosemary, raspberry, orange, mm. lime. She had, there were a couple different ones, but one had thyme, one had rosemary. They were so good. It was stupid. Are they? Is she doing it again? Yes. <laughs> I was like, so are you going to make those cupcakes again? And is this just like for volunteers or is this for people that come and they can get a mini cupcake? You know, this was just for volunteers. Okay. But are you still looking for volunteers? Yes. We need volunteers. Absolutely. And, you know, you can volunteer before. Anyone who's listening who wants to volunteer, you can go to the website at sandiegowritersfestival.com. There's a volunteer page where you can sign up. But we need a street team, people to hang up posters and give out mm. postcards. We need people to do social media or to just help with admin. And on the day of, everyone gets a blue t-shirt, which I got to say was super cool. So last year there was like this sea of people in blue all oh, walking around being helpful. Cool. We had a, this is one of my favorite parts of the volunteers last year. We were really worried about the elevators getting back you know backlogged because everyone's trying to get to the ninth floor oh, right. for the next talk and there's three elevators so we had someone sitting at the elevator telling jokes would you like to hear a joke and people were like oh yeah i'd like to hear a joke and it just made like the energy that's so fun yeah it was really cool so people Whose idea was that total cat skills kind of jokes too yeah, they're they so were, bad. Just nice and corny. <laughs> they were just awesome. And I remember I forgot we were doing that. And I walked up and she says to me, and I'd never met her. She was a volunteer that someone else brought in. And she said, Would you like to hear a joke? And I just looked at her and I was like, Oh, that's right. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to hear a joke. And it was just such a great feeling. I love that. I think but, a lot of a lot of uh, businesses should implement that. Right? Yeah. yeah. I don't remember who came up with the idea, but it was one of our volunteers. That's very good had mentioned it and Marnie and I were like, yes, we want someone to tell jokes at the elevators. Like you're, you're walking into a Walmart and then the greeter is like, hey, you want to hear a joke? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yes. Uh, sure. Yeah, please. Well, I'm really excited that you're going to be part of the festival. I'm yeah. really excited that you came out today to talk to us about your book. I love your work. I'm excited to read more of it. Thanks for having me. 
So I feel like the the people who are probably reading this book are people like me, who I'm kind of at a place in my life where I realize it's okay that I have all these things that are wrong with me, whether they're really wrong with me. But the people who I think need this book the most are my nieces. To know when you're young that, hey, this is okay, this is who I am, as opposed to discovering in your 30s and 40s that, oh, it's okay. So you don't have to go through those awkward years of feeling like there's something wrong with you. Yeah. I mean, I'd love people to have access to it early and be like, you know, I'm... I think it should I be guess, required reading uh, yes, for all in every high school, high school in the country. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I mean... I actually had someone, like a mom, write me and ask if, like, I could write a version um, that didn't have some of the more racy parts in it for so that teenagers could read it. But I was like, I don't, I don't think there's anything in the book that teenagers it's really not couldn't. That These teenagers are talking about this behind your back, mom. Yeah, this is happening, yeah. mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, That's interesting. Yeah, it was. Maybe she meant like the sex sounds part. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, which is one of my favorite parts. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I comes through great on the audiobook. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I haven't heard it. But I'm just assuming. It, I mean, I should probably have like a little accompanied like sound effect version, but <laughs> Exactly. Um I love how you keep turning. Are you burping? I am burping. You're doing like little burps to the side. I am. Yeah. I had lunch before and I tell you that's a bad idea. To eat and then record a podcast is just not the way it should work. Yeah, when you do audiobooks and it like there's, the microphones are so good, you know. That oh, it hears everything. It hears your little like stomach mm-hmm. burbles, and it's <laughs> right now. What's happening is I've got this little like it's just like a little teeny gurgle. Could you just like let it rip and then like be done with it, or are you just it's like let I it probably. You know what? Now that I'm totally like on on uh, view, I don't I don't think I could. No, I think it's probably going to repress itself. <laughs> oh, no, I wonder if it'll become a fart. Might it might yeah? yeah. That's how these things work? <laughs> how long know. does it take? That I don't know, but I've thought about that. It's like, gonna travel through. It's gonna be. It's like she didn't let me out that way. So I'm intestine. going this way. Now it's on her. See, now this is something we need to know about. If I you know. hold in your burps, how long does it take for them to become farts? I think it's that's that could be a chapter. There's <laughs> Total a, chapter, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. Um, but take gross take anatomy it. part two. Part. <laughs> Do that. Do. <laughs> do. Part do. Yeah, that's great. Um, uh, what, what were we talking about? You were saying, <laughs> uh, you were saying, is there anything that I'd want people to know? Oh, yeah. I mean, is there like a final thing you'd like yeah. to say to young women um, who or read writers. The, or writers. But I mean, specifically, I'd like to know if there's something you have to say to young girls who are like, what's wrong with me? Why do I have a hairy chin? And none of my friends do. Yeah, and, I think the whole thing, like, I would just be like, you're just that you're normal. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, there's a wide variation of normal. Totally. And that I think normal is a bad word. I mean, it, it can be, I guess, the way we use it. Yeah. But it, but it also can just mean everything is normal. It, like, there's a, there was a study. Um, there was two different studies that I looked at on the, the camel toe chapter that I thought was very interesting. One was they took 50 different vulvas and measured the inner labia. Mm. And, like, you know, women, I think, typically don't think that they're, like, they don't like the look of long labia. You don't see that a lot, mm-hmm. you know, in, in porn or in pictures or anything. Uh, like the Audi the right. Audi look. The Audi, yeah. But when they did this this uh, study on the, the vulvas, just they took 50 and there was like a range from like, you know, 
barely any inner labia to like four inch long inner labia. And that that's like the the length of like a toilet paper roll, basically. Wow. Yeah. So it and that's all normal. Wow. You know? And, yeah. And people don't know that and they don't talk about it and they feel ashamed of You just think that yours is is weird. Different. Yeah. yeah. And everyone else is whatever perfect is. Yeah. Like huh. I have asymmetrical ones. Like yeah. one's all flappy and the other one's not. Like yeah. who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't write that anywhere. No one knows that. Only people on this listening to this know about my asymmetrical labia. Well, like, should I have said that? Maybe you should edit. No. I'm good with my asymmetrical labia. <laughs> well, this is I think actually, in general, we're asymmetrical, right? I've got one ear higher on my head than yeah. yeah. One bigger boob. One yeah, I've got one points this way, one points that way. And the the other study was that uh a a Dutch study where they had young women um, see all these different pictures of different size, shape, vulvas, and then they did a test about like how they felt about themselves mm. and people that had seen it and people that didn't see it. And like the people that saw all the variation felt much better about themselves Interesting. than ones that hadn't. Yeah. But yet it is so taboo. We don't talk about that. Yeah. We certainly don't look at pictures of it, right? And then you see like, that the number of like labiaplasties has really skyrocketed. Oh, interesting. So people not feeling good about their, their the look of their vulva and then, uh, you know. Of course. Changing it. Yeah. I had no idea, but that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're lengthening bodies. Why not, you know? So really just, I think, just showing that there's like a really wide range of normal is a really good place to begin and, mm -hmm. know, and knowing that you fit within it, you yeah. know? That's awesome. I love that. And then when I have one more question. Yeah. When you're writing about something that's like super personal. So when I started, I said it was really brave of you to talk about your search for the <laughs> orgasm, yeah. right? Well, I don't know if it was a search for the orgasm, but explaining the orgasm for, your, for yourself and for others. How, what is too much to give away? Like, how do you tell a really good story and put yourself out there, but still hold some back for yourself? I was going to say, have you held any back for yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I totally do. Um, I think like a lot of it has to do with with comfort, you know, where you feel comfortable. We we when we had coffee, we kind of talked about mm -hmm. this. As, like, I've thought about it ever since. Yeah, I think that um, then ten years ago, my boundaries were very different about what I felt comfortable revealing and not, and even like uh, the the recognizing comfort levels and stuff within myself, um, and the desire to keep some things to myself has changed. Um, and I don't think that to be a memoirist or to talk about your own issues that you have to reveal everything. Um, and I don't have like an algorithm for what's the right amount. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it can vary. And some people might want to put it all down on the page, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it changes like, you know, thing to thing that I'm writing sure. and what serves the piece. But if if I feel like I don't feel the need to make myself uncomfortable mm -hmm. um, to tell a story. I feel like in a way I'm lucky that I have this kind of ability to to share things that are taboo about myself. Right. And right. feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, I, I um, you know, people, I think, expect me to be more revealing when they meet me in person than I am. Um but I reveal in some ways a lot more on the page than I do sure. in person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm getting to the to the answer. 
Am I being too roundabout? I don't know. No, no, I think you absolutely, you answered it fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I take a lot of memoir classes Mm -hmm. and my co-founder is a coach, Mm -hmm. specifically helping people write their memoirs. And one of the biggest things that she finds is that the gold of the story is often hidden behind this door. Mm. And once they open that door and actually start talking about, that's the essence of the story. Mm. So it's interesting to me, like, how do you open that door and go to that place that's uncomfortable and be real, but not give everything away to the point where it makes you uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I don't think there's a, like a one way to talk about that because everyone's threshold of comfort and discomfort is going to be different. But so, I guess it's important to say that it's okay to hold back a little. Totally. Like you don't have to make yourself uncomfortable. And I, I think I... I mean, I had a therapist when I was doing Thanks for Coming, and I was in a, a way when now, I was... Now, let me ask a question. Yeah. Because you were writing it, or you just happened to have a therapist? I actually got her to help me... Through um, the process. Through the process. Okay. Yeah, and she's a character in the book. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it was the first time I did therapy, and um, she helped me recognize boundaries. Mm. So that was like a really important book for me um, in a lot of ways, like in a lot of growth ways about intimacy and you know, finding what meant, what pleasure meant, um, what pleasure felt like, you know, just like, I think in the book, I even had this thing where like, I could be hungry and not know what I was hungry for. And that's how I was in my life. Like I felt Mm. hungry, but I I, I felt wanting, but didn't know what I wanted. Right. And like, it's figuring out what you're craving. Like, well, what do you crave? You know, do you want a burrito? Do you want a sandwich? I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Like I was honing in on who I was, what I wanted. Um, and I think I recognize my boundaries in that book. And I don't think I would be able to write a book like that now. Interesting. Yeah. Because you had fewer boundaries then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now, I, yeah, just even even the things that I reveal about the people that I knew. Yeah. And um, I was more willing to go there. And now, just because I've gotten older and I've, you know. Uh, Do you think I, it's because you have children too? Like maybe you're a little more private now? No. Well, I mean, it's private in a different way, but even in my, like, in Gross Anatomy, I didn't have book, uh, kids yet, and I, mm-hmm. I felt it was different. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, it's also the, you're dragging the people around you into your book as well, so it's also like a recognizing their boundaries and, sure, yeah. and what you feel comfortable about sharing about them and being really aware, whereas I think even as, like, a, a journalist, um, when I'm writing a profile about people, it's changed over time what i am okay with saying Mm. yeah well we evolve as writers too how did dave feel about the process of gross anatomy and just i mean because he was there with you pretty much throughout the whole process wasn't he yeah yeah and he's Um, in the book a lot yeah i mean for our listeners dave is your husband now yeah was your boyfriend at the time yeah he's actually i met him during thanks for coming and i changed his name for thanks for coming because we didn't know where it was going. Oh, and, wow. You know. And you're like, actually, I think we'll keep your name. I think I'm going to keep you. Yeah. <laughs> so he is such a private person. Mm. Um, so it's really funny that we ended up together in yeah. some ways. And you're like, and by the way, I'm going to write a book and you're going to be in it. A lot. You're going to be in all of them. Um, he's so great. He's. I love him. Yeah. He, I've never met Dave, but I love him. <laughs> He's yeah. so fabulous. I think he gets good support. He gets a lot of good feedback. Does he? From what I write. So he, I think he feels like I paint him in a good way. And I right. do let him read it before it's published. So, and he doesn't, you know, we have this thing like, don't, like, 
he doesn't want to be a book terrorist. You know, mm. he tries to give me as much leeway as possible. Right. But if there was anything that like really felt uncomfortable to him, I would, I would probably change it, you know? Cause mm -hmm. what's, why would I want to put him in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. But he's been, he's super supportive. Good. That's cool. I yeah. can tell. Yeah. Well, I told you one of my favorite scenes is when you're sitting on the couch. I believe this is after you were engaged and you're watching something on TV and all of a sudden, and I think you're sitting on opposite sides of the couch. And then you go over really close to him. Your face is really close. And you say to him, I have chin hair. And he looks at you like, uh, okay. And goes back to the TV like, <laughs> this is okay. And you're like, no, really. You need to know this about me. And then he finally gently slaps you across the face and yeah. says, get over it. It's just chin hair. Yeah. And I thought, that's just so perfect, you know? Yeah. That moment where, okay, we're going to do this. Yeah. And we, I love you just the way you are. Yeah, it was really nice. It's a really, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty nice moment. In the but book. then it's interesting too, because it's, it's a realization too, that I put myself through all of that because of me. For nothing. Because of my own issues, not yeah. his, not anyone else's. It's yeah. like our own judgment of ourselves. Well, and did he yeah. know? Did, like he just knew. He didn't. Like, had you, had you, I don't even. I don't think he ever noticed or, or anything. Cared. He just, yeah. yeah, it wasn't a thing for him. It was like a thing for me. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's true with Chad too. You know, I mean, there's times when I'm really concerned about something, and he didn't even realize it. You know, we're just so caught up, we women, and these are the constructs I think of. You know, being the perfect woman in today's society that they're going to affect us and. Mm -hmm. Well, and let's let's not discount the fact that I'm oblivious to a lot of things. Same with Dave. So, it's great. It's like, we, I uh, didn't notice it, honestly. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. That's funny. Well, and that's the difference between us, and that's why we love you. <laughs> we need the oblivious man in our life to help us be more, try to be a little more oblivious about it, you know, and imagine if we didn't even worry about it or think about it. But I am always going to sh shave my legs. That's a thing. Fair. <laughs> Well, Mara, I really appreciate you coming out and spending a little time with Chad and I Thanks. on the premise. It was really fun. Thank you. You guys are great. You have a great, like, chemistry, obviously. I guess that's why you got married. We like each other. But you're, yeah, it works out yeah. 20 I mean, most years. of the time. It's cool. Yeah, we might do another 20, you know. See what happens. Given the shot. Yeah. Each year we sign up again. That's right. That's right. Do you guys, like, renew your vows every year or something? No, but we have yeah. this joke that, well, I guess I'll sign on for another year. So you've got 365 days to prove it. <laughs> yep. Prove yourself once again. That's right. Yeah. September 18th. Is that's, that right? That's yeah. anniversary, right? Yeah. Wait, that, damn. <laughs> You're asking me, the oblivious guy? We just went so, over this. I know, right? So let's talk about where people can get your book and find you online. So you're on social media. Mm-hmm. I mostly use Instagram. Okay. What's your handle? Uh, Mara Altman. M-A-R-A. Oh. A-L-T-M-A-N. Awesome. And the book is Gross Anatomy, A Field Guide to Loving Your Body, Warts and All. Oh, they changed the subtitle for the paperback. What was it? It was so good before. Um, <laughs> it was, I have it right here. It was, and I added, I added a armpit hair on mine. Oh, oh I love the that. armpit yeah. hair. I want to yeah. picture that. That was like a, that was like a little bit of an issue between me and my publishers. I was really 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 wanted the armpit hair and they just 
And they took it out. Yeah, they felt you like know, it was too much. You know what's but... really sad is I didn't even notice that there's no armpit hair because I'm so used to women not having armpit hair. But it's been really fun at readings because I can add the armpit. I can add armpit hair. I can add bikini hair, toe hair. You're gonna have to sign hair. my copy. I can do all kinds of hair. Yeah, I'm gonna need a little and more hair on my. Is that all all part of your signature process? Yeah. You're like, okay, we'll sign I'm, it. And I then say, add what this, kind of that? hair do you want? And I can do. I can do straight, spirally, you know, curly. You're good at that. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm definitely going to have you um, sign my copy okay. and hair mine up a little bit. Oh, yeah. So the, the subtitle was Dispatches from the Front and Parentheses Back. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah, that's in your bio. Yeah. That's funny because when I was reading it, I looked at it again. And I was like, oh, I don't remember Dispatches because it's not on my copy. Yeah. Interesting. The things that our publishers do. Yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. That's a whole other podcast. It is. All right. Well, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. See oh, you at the festival. Did we get the URL? We got her URL. Oh, the Mara Altman. Dash Altman. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. So you can check out Mara. The at, book trailers. And you've got to watch the book trailers. We will have a link on the website. Mara Dash Altman. That's A-L-T-M-A-N dot com. Are you an author with a story to tell, but you're just not sure how to get that story out? Guess what? You don't have to do it alone. Marnie Friedman is an incredible writing coach. She offers personalized support and expertise to guide you from a kernel of an idea to completion. Visit MarniFriedman.com to learn more. That's M-A-R-N-I-F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N.com. This episode is brought to you by Monkey See Media, a small boutique design firm offering award-winning websites, book cover designs, book trailers, and photography services. And full disclosure, we love what we do. Chad and I founded Monkey See Media in 2004, and we're still going strong. Visit monkeyseemedia.com. That's M-O-N-K-E-Y, the letter C, media.com to see how we can help you promote your book, build a powerful online presence mm-hmm. what else you got chad uh let's see we've got the san diego writer festival san diego writers festival there are many writers <laughs> and they're a proud sponsor of our premise podcast as well mm-hmm. and it's gonna be awesome this year's keynote is scott gimple he's the head writer of the walking dead and the festival is free it's open to the public there's going to be educational panels and workshops famous authors up-and-coming authors, kids and teen programming, and live theater performances. Oh, and there's music. Oh, and there's food. Oh, but wait, there's more. You also get a copy of our home game. Oh, you're silly. But wait, there is more. There will be literary agents taking pitches from authors looking to get their books published. The festival is about building community and celebrating storytelling of all kinds. It's happening April 4th, 2020 at the Coronado Public Library. 